If you have your Bibles or Bible apps or whatever it is you use for Scripture base, would you please turn? I got two scriptures I need you to have your fingers on Philippians 1, verse 9, and then uh, Philippians 3, verse 7. While you are doing that, the title of today's message that I have for you that the Lord has spoken to me uh, several weeks ago when I knew uh, this opportunity was coming was just keep swimming. Everybody say that with me. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. As you all know, there is a popular Disney Pixar movie about to come out, a sequel to an amazing movie called Finding Nemo. Uh, One of my favorites. I think movies all the time. Cartoon movies is... Especially having three little children is pretty much, uh, I know all the sayings. I use the sayings. You can ask my guys at work. I, I, I make sayings out of sayings from movies like Madagascar and other things. And, uh, but anyways, one of my favorites, my absolute all-time favorite movie is the movie Up. I love the movie Up. And in children's church, one of the things that I do to grab their attention is, uh, is the good old dog Doug. Do you guys know who the dog Doug is on the movie Up? And he's like, hi there, squirrel. Hi there, you know, and, and he loses his attention. Well, when I, when I lose the attention of the, of the children, they will hear me say, Squirrel! And that is cue for stop what you're doing, stop talking, and look at me. All right? So, if you hear me say squirrel, that might be for the children, it might be for you. It just depends. So, um, you, you can point at your, your neighbor next to you or whatever. So, just keep swimming. So anyways, that being said, <clears throat> I started diving into the scripture that we're about to read, and, um, and, and I wanted to give you just a basic backdrop of the book of Philippians, the letter to the church of Philippi, uh, that I found to be very fascinating, because um, I like to read and, and see it visually as I read it. I like to try to put myself in the premise of what that, was, that, that, that passage is about, the book is about. And the neat thing about the Church of Philippi that really grabs my attention was this was written by uh, a wonderful man named Paul. Many of you know who that is, the Apostle Paul, who was previously known as Saul, who was a murderer, who was the Pharisee of all Pharisees. He was the top dog in the synagogues. He knew every bit of the law and all of those things, but he had a a wonderful, radical transformation on the road to Damascus. If If you don't know the story, it's an amazing read that Jesus shows himself to him in the form of a light and so bright that it blinds him and then during that light nobody else could hear but but Saul who becomes Paul and he hears why do you persecute me who are you Lord I am Jesus whom you are persecuting and that began an amazing journey amazing transformation that the man that was killing or approving of the killings of Christians becomes uh, one of the biggest advocates for the Gentile Christian church and for of course the Jews that convert to uh, Jesus as well but that is what's so cool about the book of Philippians is that in the book of Acts, Paul is, is mentioned or Luke mentions about Paul having a vision of a man from Macedonia that says, come, come to us. Well, that vision is what brought a, a, a special place in Paul's heart because he does. He takes Luke and he takes others and he goes to the place of Macedonia that we now call Philippi. And while he's there, he has a couple amazing experiences with a lady named Lydia And then the conversion of the Philippian jailer. And that was the beginning of the Philippian church right there. I thought that was pretty fascinating. And so, of course, all of that's happening. In this area, there were no synagogues. So this was a Gentile area. And meaning that that Paul being the, the top Jew of all Jews and knowing all the customs, you weren't supposed to rub shoulders with Gentiles, you and me. 
okay? And so the Lord places him in the church of Philippi or in, in Macedonia in Philippi and he begins this amazing work that creates an, a, 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 just a wonderful church that's, that souls, of course, the, the kingdom of God is expanding, all of these great things. And so he moves on. As he moves on, he leaves Luke behind. Luke is, of course, the author of the book of Luke as well as many believe the author of the book of Acts. And so Luke is left behind to pastor the church. Well, Philippians is one of four letters that Paul writes while he's in prison. I don't know about y'all, but I would, I would consider that a hardship. Prison's not good. And he's sitting there and he's writing, and the whole thing about the, the, the letter to the church of Philippi was a letter of rejoicing, find joy. And in fact, of all of his letters, many scholars point to this one as being Paul's hymn of joy, in that He's loving on the church of Philippi. We are just being given a glance at that. And now, of course, we get to use it, and the church has used it for centuries now. But he's writing a personal, intimate letter to a body of believers that he fathered, that he pastored. And so he's at a distance. They have cared for him over the years. They have helped him financially on his missionaries, missions journeys and, and all the different things. So he's writing them an encouraging letter. And I want you to read with me in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. And we're going to read to verse 11, then I need you to skip to Philippians 3. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. If you would, skip down to Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. But whatever was, uh, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. So, of course, this is where Paul is talking. He's already mentioned a lot of things. In Philippians chapter 2, he exhorts us to be the very nature of Jesus who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but, but took on the form of man. And so he goes through this journey, and here's Paul. Paul is a man that has seen a lot of great things, healing, soul saved, uh, miraculous things, bitten by a snake, shook the snake off, didn't anything, nothing happened to him. And where I live out in the woods, you know, I, I'm, I, wow, that scares me. Because every snake I see, if I'm on my mower, I'm going after that snake. Even if he's 15 feet away, he's going to be a dead snake. Uh, or I'm hoping my dog gets a hold of him. I hate snakes. You know, I'm like, uh, I'm like Indiana Jones, snakes. Why did it have to be snakes, you know? So anyways, what is more, I consider everything a loss. Everybody say loss. Compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And this is my favorite life verse that I still hold dear to my heart to this day. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on. Everybody say press. Let's use the word swim. I swim on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. 
Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting, forgetting, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on, I swim on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And I love this. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Cool. That was like a little asterisk. Hey, if you don't understand, it's okay. Just ask God. He'll make it clear to you. I swim on. Just keep swimming. There's, is this my mic? Is that what's causing the problem here? A little feedback. Is that better? I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal. Guys, we have, if you've been in the church ranks for any number of years, you've heard this passage of Scripture preached many different ways, many different times. We've, I've seen this used to exhort football players that are getting ready to go out on the football field for, for Fellowship of Christian athlete, uh, Athletics and different things of that nature. But something that is really resonating in my heart about this is I have been saved since the age of six for, for uh, 12-something years, and, and I have... I have journeyed through all of these things. But, you know, it's amazing because in the journey, in the process of life, we come across stumbling blocks. We come across some really turbulent waters. And just when you think you've arrived, guess what? That pedestal gets knocked out from underneath you. And so I want you to just join me in the journey I'm on right now. And I pray it will bless you. So... That being said, I want to just share a quick little story with you about my days of high school football. As you can tell, I'm a short guy. High school football didn't last very long for AJ. I was considered the blocking dummy for the second team units. I was the guy that helped run all those other, you know, the things to prepare the first string offense for the next game. But one of the funnest things that I enjoyed about football was the weightlifting program. And I enjoyed it because... I'm a stocky dude, and I started getting better at some of those things. I couldn't bench press for nothing, but, buddy, I could, I could deadlift. And if you know what deadlift is, that's where you take the weights and you lift them up and you bring them up and you lock, right? And uh, I'm no Olympic guy, but every, every week we had to work out, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then Tuesdays, Thursdays, we had to do ply, uh, calisthenics and all the other things. But, so every week we would work out. We had a regimen we had to follow. And then once a month or so, we did what was called max outs. Max outs was the day that you as a guy got to, hey, what'd you do? Well, that's what, this is what I did. And so in deadlift, and one of the cool things was we would do it right after school, and everybody would be there, all the football players, the coaches. And I don't know if you've ever been a part of something where when you do something by yourself, you can only get so far. But when you're surrounded by a bunch of other people, it pushes you to go beyond what you thought you could do. Well, that was one of those days. I still hold it with such high esteem because it was my glory moment. I was, I was a sophomore in high school, and I was deadlifting, and, 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 and we, were, we were going, and, and, and I had, you know, 300-plus pounds and locked in, yeah, woo, go, you know. And another short story, I was called Tex-Mex in high school. That was my nickname because I was from the state of Texas, and I lived in Illinois. They did not like my last name, Veneta. You know, you normally call football players by their last name, Veneta. That's too hard. Don't like it. Tex-Mex, that's your name. Okay, thanks, coach. Got it. So they call me Tex-Mex, and they're surrounding us, and we're in the middle of the weight room, and we're going. And I am up there with 
high school seniors, and I'm a sophomore, and I'm, I'm holding my ground, and, and I'm doing it, and I get all the way to almost 500 pounds. And I mean, I about bless my eyeballs out, my, my vessels are popping, and I'm straining with all I've got. But you know what? By golly, because all of them are yelling, go Tex, you got it, Tex-Mex, you can do it, let's go, you got it, woo! Boom, I locked it. I couldn't move after that. I was stuck, literally, and I had to drop it, calluses ripping off my hands and all these kind of things. But it reminded me how amazing of a journey it is when you're by yourself doing something, and you can go to this point. But when you surround yourself with people encouraging you and challenging you and exhorting you and pushing you and kicking you in the butt like you need it sometimes, you push yourself further. Well, guess what? That's what Paul's doing right here in the book of Philippians, is he's kicking in a loving, fatherly, wonderful way of encouraging, go, stay focused, be joyful, rejoice, don't stop, keep going, okay? So that being said, if you would, I got a little video clip here that's one of my favorites. Turn it up, make sure they can see it and hear it. Here we go. Lights. Hey, Mr. Grumpy Gills. When life gets you down, you know what you got to do? I don't want to know what you got to do. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim, swim. Doreen, I'm singing. Oh, 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 I love to swim. Doreen. When you want to swim, you want See, to See, I'm going to get stuck now with that song. Now it's in my head. Sorry. Oh, I love that scene. Now I've got that song in my head. Hopefully you do as well after this day. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. You got to swim, swim, swim some more. Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, to his, his, his beloved children, and he's in the middle of a prison cell, not knowing if he's going to die that day or be released. So I want you to follow me. I'm a, I'm a youth pastor, children's pastor at heart, so I always like to simplify things. Keep it simple, silly. I want to simplify this. Topical type message. And I've got, I've got, is it called an acronym? Is that right? Where you take a word and you break it down? Am I doing it right? All right. So, keep swimming. I want to break down the word swim with you. And I pray this blesses you. I pray it challenges you like it does, did me. Number one, seek. Seek. We are called to exhort each other and encourage each other to pursue and seek the Lord in all things that we do. Regardless of hardships, discouragements, doubts, and fears, we must seek His face. You know, it's so easy, guys. We get get so caught up into life's journeys, struggles, problems, adversities, and, and it's so quick because the enemy uses it as such a wonderful tool for him to get our focus off of the Lord and onto us and onto our problems and onto our surroundings. We want to walk in the victim mentality. We want to walk in the woe is me. Nobody understands. Nobody cares. I don't, 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 don't. You don't know what I'm going through right now, Pastor Justin. I do it. I'm sure you have too. And that's right there. We should stop ourselves and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of for you. Keep swimming. Lord, right now, I am taking control of that thought, and I'm getting it out of my mind, and I'm putting my thoughts onto you. I'm seeking your face because your face is all I need. Your glory will sustain me. Your presence is is the food of which I will survive on. 
If we will start focusing on that, and guys, I'm preaching to myself. Y'all just, y'all come on in. Sit at the couch with AJ right now. If we will just simply sit down and slap ourselves in the face and say, stop it. If we will stop allowing the mental mind games of the enemy to grab a hold of us and shake the mess out of us then, and grab a hold of who we are in Jesus, the seeking of his face is all that we want to do. And out of that, once we do that, everything else falls into place like a wonderful a domino effect. Seeking his face, Luke chapter 18 I love this because this is really where I've had to break this down because, and I want you to see this maybe in a different light. This is Jesus talking and he's giving an example. But the tax collector stood at a distance and this was out of distance from the church building in essence. He would not even look up to heaven but it beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me a sinner. I tell you this, that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And, of course, the part that I forgot in that passage is the Pharisee was looking down at the tax collector and saying, I thank God I'm not him. What that point is, what Jesus is saying is quit worrying about everybody else and you focus on you and who you are in him. You focus on who he is in you. If you screw up, big deal. Get up, keep going. If you made a mistake, kick yourself. Allow others to help kick you. If they start seeing you wavering or tired or whatever. And guys, I know we all need it. We need that encouragement from one another. So just keep swimming. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Well, how do you do that? We seek him. We seek his love. We seek his presence. And we say sometimes, God, I'm not leaving this place until I find you, till I feel you, till I know you're here. I'm not sure who the revivalist was, but they said that if you want revival, draw a circle around yourself and say, I'm not leaving until you show me your glory. Now, sometimes that requires patience. And we're in a a generation that everything is so fast that even having to remotely stop and wait and listen is so hard. You know, sometimes we think, well, God didn't move in that one second right there, so God's not moving. No, what happened to persevering? What happened to pushing in? What happened to becoming like the woman with the issue of blood that bust through the crowds knowing she should be stoned to death for doing that according to the Jewish custom and saying, if I could just grab a hold of the hem of his garment, I will be healed and whole. So seek. Well, of course, if you seek, you know what else you got to do? You got to welcome. This is where I struggle sometimes because I'm a, I'm a very independent person. If you know me at all, I like to do things myself. I like to I don't like asking for help. I don't like doing those things. And, and that's just my nature, I guess. But the same goes with how I walk with the Lord sometimes. I don't like to ask the Lord for help because then I feel like I'm burdening God. Any of you ever been there? <laughs> we have to stop and we have to seek, but we also have to welcome. We need to stop and welcome His love. You know, it's so easy as the guy up here behind this music stand to say these things. But when I'm journeying through my days of work and the struggles that my brain has going off in there, that's hard. Welcome his love. Welcome his still, small voice. See, 
We always think he needs to be trumpet blasting it to us. When in all reality, while the winds and the waves and the storms of life are all around us, he's just whispering, hey, I'm right here. Rest in me. Welcome his peace. Welcome his truth. Welcome the answers he gives you, whether you like the answer or not. Oh, I don't like that one. Wait a minute. No, no, that's not God. No, that's, that's, no, that's not God. Welcome his timing. I'm a very impatient person, I, and I've told the Lord numerous times over the last few weeks, God, I've never asked you for patience. <laughs> Why are you continually pushing me to learn patience? I've never asked for this. Why am I having to learn this? Welcome his conviction, guys. You know, there's a big difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation makes us want to go hide in a hole and not go anywhere and do anything. Conviction is to help us better ourselves and understand the love of the Father is right there. And he is speaking to you going, hey, you've given me this area. I want you to give me this area so I can make you a whole person in me. Or a better way to put it is, hey, and we're all guilty of this, especially for Grace Unplugged on Sundays. Emily and I will clean our living room, we'll clean our bathrooms, we'll kind of make the kids clean their bedrooms, but our bedroom gets all of the junk, and we close that door, right? Anybody? Anybody? Hello. But here's the thing, guys. You are like a house unto the Lord where you will clean the living room, you will clean the bedroom, you'll clean the bathroom, and he's going to say, I want your bedroom too. I want that closet cleaned out. Will you allow me to do it? And you may say, no, I can't do that. I'm too ashamed. I'm blah, blah, blah. He's saying, I want to do that so that you will quit carrying that load because my yoke is easy, my burden is light, and I am taking that from you because of what I did on the cross. So hard to grab that, guys. For me, and I'm sure for many of you, because my intellectual process on that, it was, no, God, I got to do it. Let me clean it. I'm the one that junked it up. And he says, yeah, you did. <laughs> he's not denying that you didn't screw up. <laughs> but he's saying, my grace is sufficient for you. All right. Welcome. Welcoming his presence in the midst of the storm brings peace. It will bring the clarity. The moment we decide to do it, on our own is the moment we no longer welcome his presence and authority over the situation we are enduring through. His presence and his authority is already there, but the moment we say, no, thank you, I'm going to do it on my own, is the moment we're wishing hardship on ourselves. Now, by welcoming his presence, does that mean everything gets easy? No. I do encourage you, if you have not listened to Judah Smith's ser ser series sermons on the truth about following Jesus... You need to listen to it. It's so good. You see, when we welcome Jesus, welcome God's presence, it stops us and prevents us from becoming complacent and satisfied. It prevents us from being complacent with where we are in our relationship with him. Well, Lord, I've already memorized 10 scripture verses. I'm good. I've got it. We're good. Lord, I read through your Bible in the one-year Bible twice. I'm good. I don't need to read anymore. Well, you know, Lord, I go to church on Sundays. That's really all I need to do. See, I was on the other end of it that if I didn't do enough, if I didn't read enough, if I didn't memorize enough, if I didn't pray long enough, if I didn't, you know, I went through that whole legalistic route. And then it's easy to swing that pendulum all the way over the other route. Well, it's all good. I already did all that stuff. Wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not about the works. It's about the love. It's about the journey. It's about welcoming his relationship to you and to me.
If we will do that, it will help us prevent the nature of, well, I don't need to get to know anybody else. I don't need to reach out and love on those around me. I don't need to tell that person I'm rubbing shoulders up with on, at Walmart or work, workplaces that I need to share Jesus with them. When you welcome his presence, guys, and this is for me just as much if anybody else is listening, you're welcoming his heart for those that you're looking at. You see, I'm a guy. Being a guy, I feel like you've got to be tough. You, gotta, you can't show emotions and you can't do certain things. But bottom line is, guys, you don't realize how much just a simple, hey, how are you, really can go a long ways. And, you know, that's really come home to roost this week because I have a really good worker that has worked for us at one of my mows for a couple years. Very good worker, always present, always there on time, except for maybe a handful of moments in those two years. Well, Monday she wasn't anywhere to be found. And we thought, oh, well, I guess she quit. And that wasn't like her because she was one of our steadfast workers. Tuesday, still no word. Called, texted, Wednesday, Thursday. Finally found out yesterday that she's in the hospital, that she's had some kind of a brain bleed or stroke or something. She's not even 30, guys. And you know, there's been so many times that I've rubbed across, rubbed shoulders with her, talking to her, just working with her, knowing she's got stuff going on in her life, her personal journey. But all it takes sometimes is, hey, girl, Jesus loves you. Don't forget that. Hey, we're here for you if you ever need anything. And I, I hope we've done that. I hope we have done that. But at the same time, something like this, this reality, what really strikes home because the outcome's not looking really great right now for her. And so, yeah, tragedy always makes you really dive in to reassess things, right? So we got to welcome. We got to seek. We got to welcome. I love this about adversity and difficulties. Face difficulties positively. This parable is told of a farmer who owned an old mule. The mule fell into the farmer's well, and the farmer heard the mule praying or whatever mules do when they fall into wells. After carefully assessing the situation, the farmer sympathized with the mule, but decided that neither the mule nor the well was worth the trouble of saving. Instead, he called his neighbors together, told them that what, what had happened, and enlisted them, them to help haul dirt to bury the old mule in the well and put him out of his misery. Initially, the old mule was hysterical, but as the farmer and his neighbors continued shoveling and the dirt hid his back, a thought struck him. It suddenly dawned on him that every time a shovel load of dirt landed on his back, he would shake it off and step up. This he did, blow after blow, shake it off and step up, shake it off and step up, shake it off and step up. He repeated to encourage himself, no matter how painful the blows or how distressing the situation seemed, the old mule fought panic and just kept right on shaking it off and stepping it up. It wasn't long before the old mule, battered and exhausted, stepped triumphantly over the wall of that well. What seemed like it would bury him, say that word, bury him, actually helped him, all because of the manner in which he handled his adversity. Welcome his love. Welcome his peace. Welcome even adversity and difficulty. Keep your mind focused on him. Thirdly, seek, welcome, invest. Invest. You will always fill your time with what you find to be most important. Always. That's just our nature of who we are. Isaiah 55. I love this old passage. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. 
And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. Verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will freely pardon. Invest. Invest who you are in him. Invest who you are by being disciplined and and realizing the end results will far outweigh the disciplined nature of having to do that. How many of you like to work out? Some of you. I don't. Well, I do, actually. I do like to work out, but I don't like getting up early because that's the only time I can work out. And, and I'll set my alarm for a uh, god-awful hour in the morning, and, and I hit snooze and snooze and snooze. And then I wake up and go, oh, I'm such an idiot. I was supposed to jog. I was supposed to do this. And, and, then, I'm, and then I spend the morning going, oh, I'm just, uh. But you know, the reverse of that, and, and Mr., uh, Mr. Body Man over here, one of my, my buddies, when you actually go and work out, yeah, Austin. Austin's the guy. Patrick. <laughs> when you exercise and when you do that, how do you feel? You feel better. You're like, man, I'm so glad I disciplined myself to do it. I'm so glad I pushed myself to do it. Same goes with any other nature of discipline. You don't like discipline. You don't like the journey of it, but you like the end result. Invest who you are in him. Guys, listen, we are at a place as a body. We are at a place as, as believers in the Lord that we, we've grabbed a hold of all of this amazing gospel message that has been shared over the years. And now it's time that we not only invest in the Lord, but we start investing in others. And we start pouring that back out into others. And what you'll find is that when you and I will do that, whether it be by shaking hands at that front door, helping me with children in the back... Uh, helping Alicia do whatever is needed around the church, that you will start feeling a sense of ownership and you will start being filled back up and you'll be going, I like this. This is kind of nice. Because it's so easy for all of us to go, well, I just don't have time. I'm so tired. I got this and I got that and I'm worn out and I got blah, blah, blah. Have you ever noticed that we've got all of the amenities at our hands that's supposed to make life easier and faster, and more doable, and yet we have no time. And I've asked the Lord to forgive me on that because I am so guilty. I mean, I've, I've gone, wow, what's up with that? The most valuable commodity that we have is our time. Time with our loved ones, time with the Lord, time for ourselves even, guys. We got to have that. And right there with Invest, I want to challenge all of us. And I think there's several of you in this room that, that understand this because you remember somebody that did this for you, and that's mentor. Webster's definition of mentor is someone who teaches or gives help and advice to a less experienced and often younger person. That's not always age. There are some of you in this room that have so, such a vast wealth of wisdom of the Lord 
some of the younger people in this room could really use. They could use your testimony. Revelation 12, 11 is another one of my faves. And it says, they overcame him by the what? The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. It's not about me, myself, and I. It's about him, him, him. It's about the Lord. And when you share your testimony, hey, let me tell you about where I was when you're dealing with what you're dealing with. Because, you know, just like I was saying a minute ago, sometimes we feel like we've arrived, that we, we've overcome, we've, we've done all this stuff, and then a whole new onslaught hits us. An old preacher, pastor, Kilpatrick, that, that uh, we held high esteem for many years, he used to say it this way. He said, you're either going into, going through, or coming out of a storm. He said, that's life. He said, you're, that's the journey. That's where you're at on the journey. You're either going into one, you're going through one, or you're coming out of one, and you're looking back going, woo, that's great, but guess what? There's another one coming. Why? Because we live in flesh, and we live on this planet until we are with the good Lord in heaven. So, Emily, if you would come. I've asked my baby to help me with this altar time. I, don't, I didn't quite know where we were going to go with this altar time. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Paul said it best. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Seek, welcome, invest, mentor. How do you mentor? You teach it. You live it. You teach it, you live it, you repeat. You teach it, you live it, you repeat. Or better yet, you live it, you teach it, you repeat. This amazing thing is so many times we don't realize the eyes that are watching us. We don't realize the ears that are listening to us. I want to encourage all of you today... to live it, teach it, and repeat. Thank you for joining me with my little coffee couch time, me talking to myself along with you. I found another neat little poem that I'd like to read to you, and then we're going to close. And, and I'd like to ask you, and I know we got children in here, but children, you're, you're not exempt from this. If you feel like the Lord's speaking to your heart about something, I want you to to jump into this time of, of refreshing with the Lord. Don't forget, next Sunday, we are going to have an amazing time of water baptism. I think we got seven or eight children that want to be water baptized. You don't want to miss that. And I'm one proud daddy because I'm going to baptize my kids. I want to encourage you guys don't quit. There's another movie saying, and you, many of you might know the movie, Never Give Up, Never Surrender. Like I said, I think movies all the time. Never give up, never surrender. 
keep swimming. I love this. Two frogs fell into a deep cream bowl. One was an optimistic soul, but the other took to the gloomy view. Well, we'll drown, he lamented without much ado. And with a last, last despairing cry, he flung up his legs and said goodbye. Quote the other frog with a steadfast grin, I can't get out, but I won't give in. I'll just swim around till my strength is spent, then I'll die the more content. Bravely he swam to work his scheme, and his struggles began to churn the cream. The more he swam his legs aflutter, the more the cream turned into butter. On top of the butter at last he stopped, and out of the bowl he gaily hopped. What is the moral? It is easily found. If you can't hop out, keep swimming around. Stand with me, please. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I'm like one of those frogs. How am I going to look at life? The journey always continues until you breathe your last breath. And sometimes, and this is the key, most of the time we think deep down inside nobody else understands. I'm here to tell you, we have an almighty, everlasting, loving Father that says, I know your heart better than you do. That's scary. But God, if you know my heart so well, why would you do all that for me? Why would you continually help me? Why would you continually do these things when I can be so selfish and self-centered and independent and so not worthy? I don't know. Maybe you've been there. Seek his face. Close your eyes if you would, guys. We're going to just take a few minutes. I do want to ask this in the beginning right now. If, if, as we close this out, if you do feel like you need to talk, I, I need to ask you to quietly, reverently walk out the back door there and, and enjoy conversation in the halls. But I, I believe that there are people in this room that need to be blessed and ministered to through music and through some altar time. all your eyes closed, children eyes closed, I want you to think about that. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. This coming from a man sitting in a prison cell who had already been through an amazing journey, who had seen amazing things, and yet he looked at all of that as he's sitting there writing a love letter to the church of Philippi, to his beloved children in the Lord. And he says, it's all rubbish. None of that matters compared to the glory of God, to the love of Jesus and knowing him and being like him. Take joy because you can know him and know him more deeply and intimately every day that you walk on this planet. What's so amazing to me is Paul wrote that to a church in Philippi, but the sound has rippled through the centuries, and lo and behold, here we are in 2016, and that sound is still here today. Maybe you're in this room and you're just saying, AJ, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. 
I'm worn out. I'm whooped. We're here to encourage and to lift you up just like when I was in that weight room years and years ago and had all those guys around me challenging me to push myself past the point of where I thought I couldn't go any further. You know what? I need you. You need me. We need each other. We need this community. We need this love and embrace from each other. The encouraging text messages, Facebook posts, calls, or just simple handshakes and how are you, man? How are you, sweetie? Emily's going to sing here in just a minute. What I would like to do, I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to ask you, if you just, you want to spend some time with the Lord, I want to ask you to make yourselves at home up here in the front, wherever. And if the Lord leads you, if you don't feel that way, and the Lord leads you and you see somebody, would you come and, and just pray for them. I I know we have prayer team and different things, but today I I don't want anybody to feel like they're excluded from that. Father, in the name and power of Jesus, Lord, we come to you today and we ask, I ask, Lord, that you would bless and minister to every person at the sound of my voice. Lord, those that have been running or swimming in the journey and have gotten to a place in their minds that I just want to stop. I'm tired. Nobody understands me. Nobody's getting this. And I don't know if I even believe this anymore. Holy Spirit, right now, would you wrap your arms around that person or people would you lift them up and would you speak in a way that only you can speak into their heart of hearts oh God and so every time the voice that's on the left side that says quit you don't want to do this anymore you know it's all a bunch of fake I pray that the voice that's on the right side the voice of the powerful Holy Spirit would silence that voice and would speak louder and more clearly and that father you would equip and encourage that you would break any wounds and chains and shackles of things that have tried to hold them down. Lord, I declare freedom in this place today. I don't know why, but that word is right on my heart right now. It's freedom, 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 freedom from anxiety, freedom from depression, freedom from the hurts and the pains and the wounds of old that have been done to us from years ago or even most recently. Because, Lord, in you there is freedom. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Right now, Jesus, I pray for those that are in this room that have just kind of grown complacent and dormant in the journey, that they love you, they're there, but they just, they know it's time to stir the pot a little bit more. It's time to dig in a little deeper. It's time to invest a little bit more of who they are into you. And Lord, it's time to mentor and lift up and encourage and bless those around them. I pray you bring clarity of what that might be, where that might be. So, Lord, as we open these altars, as as Emily begins to sing, Holy Spirit, 
Do what you could only do, Jesus. Do what only you can do. So that being said, if, if you don't mind, can you dim the lights up front at least? Go ahead, baby. I'd like to ask you if, if you if you feel comfortable with it. If not, maybe just sit your seats. Would you spend a few minutes? Would you allow the Lord to bless you this morning and minister to you? Maybe you need to just pour some things out at these altars and allow him to pour himself into you. Seek him. Welcome his voice. Welcome his love. Thank you, Jesus.